1948. Wow. Great to be here. This is very, very special for me. Uh, it's like a celebration of, our, of the faithfulness of the Lord. Amen. I think we, we met in the, in the late 90s, something like that. 90s, so close to 2000 or something like that. I mean, I've, I've heard the fame of the gold here, like the sea of gold below this carpet. There's a whole lot of gold. So the new church that is coming, they're going to be walking on gold. Come on. Anyways, it's great to see great friends. Darren, wherever you are, amazing. Let's give them like the band huge God bless you. Eric and, and Wes. Great to see Jack. Love you, Jack. Send blessing to your beautiful wife. And uh, little Jamie... Little, little, little Jenny, Jenny, Jenny. Hi, good to see you. I remember you running around here and dancing with me while I was playing the violin over you, Jenny. Are you good? Well, you've been sitting at this chair for too long. Why don't we get you going and let's go to Israel with us. I'm, we're leaving tomorrow. Bless the children, bless the orphans, bless the widows. Amen. Come on. Got a lot of, lot of life to live together, amen? Dancing all over the world. Come on. <laughs> wow. And, of course, uh, dear friend Bill and Sue, we love you guys. Um, Joel, Cheryl, so many, so many friendships here. Travis, he picked me up from Houston. He and Pastor picked me up from Houston the first time we came. And uh, we were cranking up this dance music in that car. That's the bill going, okay, it's too loud, you know. <laughs> well, I tell you what, God likes it loud. I don't think there's earplugs in heaven. So better get used to loud noise, amen. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Joyful noise. Uh, the focus is on joyful because in His presence there is fullness of joy. Say fullness. Fullness of joy. That's, that's, let's, not, let's not miss that part because heaven is not quiet. It's not boring. There's no depression in heaven. Amen. There's joy unspeakable and full of glory. And with the Holy Spirit giving us the new birth and filling us, so we should expect that that joy in heaven will be in our in our daily life here on earth. Amen. Come on. I uh, I like to invite you to a to a, an amazing trip we're going to do in uh, the end of May. In Rome, because uh, we're gonna. Uh, how many of you have heard the Passion Translation? Passion Translation, you like it? It's awesome. The author is Brian Brian uh, Simmons, great friend. We've known each other even longer than than uh, we've known with with Bill. I mean, these amazing relationship. He was a pastor in a, a powerful church in in uh, in uh, Connecticut, and we have. Uh, we did a lot of revival meetings up north, 
even all the way to Maine, where we met uh, our future in-laws, Pastor Rich and Linda, and their little boy was a drummer. I couldn't see him behind the drums, he's tiny, but, um, but did, little did I know, it would be my son-in-law. That's how it goes. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, so now we have uh, beautiful uh, three dra- grandchildren. The oldest was uh, nine years old yesterday, so we had a little Skype session or whatever, FaceTime. Uh, and uh, so, hallelujah, God is good and faithful, amen? Woo. But joy is something that God has graced me with, um, started with the fact that I was uh, raised in a very, a very um, uh, well, communism. Don't fall for communism, whatever you do. Don't even think about it. This whole socialism and, and communism is absolutely from the devil. It's not an economical system. It's not a political system. They use economy, economy and politics. And it's not about the poor, although they use that as the poor. They always use the poor as, a, as a, like a front. But it's really about them being the rich and them ruling over everybody with control spirit that, you know, uh, I've, I've lived under that control spirit. Just to give you a little example, uh, is that okay to come down a little bit? The control spirit is so severe that imagine you can't, that not, not able to talk to your children uh, about anything other than a communist philosophy and doctrine or whatever they say. Or as you, you say something like that, that's different than they do. You know how kids talk. And, and then, you know, you get in trouble with the communists. Eventually, you disappear. This happened in my lifetime. My mom did not tell me anything about anything. It was like a hush-hush in our family. Uh, I didn't understand what it was, but, but uh, it was like basically survival and... And it wasn't until the communists fell that I found out that my grandparents on both sides, on my father's side and my mother's side, were wealthy people. My, my dad's side, it was a bankers. On my mom's side, they owned a refinery for sunflower seed oil and owned lots of land. And so if you're a rich person, the communists uh, declare you to be the enemy of the state. You are the bad guy. Capitalism, per se. All capitalism, according to the communists, is evil. So in order for them to become, for communists to come, they have to kill every capitalist. I mean, this is the agenda. So if you're a capitalist, you're as good as dead because you're the problem. You are the evil of, of the world. So there's no way for, to deal with you, according to the communists, but to kill you. So they kill every rich person. In fact, even if you had glasses, they would just kill you without even trial. Just just go ahead and kill them. Because, uh, no, Eric, not you. Uh, at the time, at the time, uh, uh, to have glasses was a rare thing. Only people who read a lot and who were rich people, they can afford to read in books and they had glasses. So just kill them all. Well, and um, cruel, cruel. Anyways, don't fall for that because it's a lie. You know, they, 
what they did is they used the poor people uh, for, for a cause, but then they, they, they killed the capitalists and they take, took all their money. The only reason my parents, my grandparents survived is because they were both kind to their workers. And among those workers, they were, they were communists. And during the trials, when they were killing them, the rich people, those workers who worked for my grandparents rose in a, in a, in a trial days and protected because they said, these, these are good guys, they took care of us, so let's not kill them. So that's the only reason they remain alive. But I didn't find anything about, about my past because um, this is how it was. This, we, we were the, part of the enemy. And so when the communism fell, this is 19, uh, 1990, the communism fell. And uh, now I've, I've been away from there because uh, um, when I was a child, we grew up to think that Lenin is our daddy. And so, of course, I didn't like Lenin, but there was no other, no other choice until another Lenin showed up, John Lenin. And we liked that Lenin better. Like, so we, we decided to be like our daddy, John Lennon, the she loves you, yeah, yeah guy. And so, so me, me and three boys started the first rock band in Bulgaria to be like our daddy, Lenin. And, uh, and of course, we weren't any good, but there was no way to prove that because there was no other bands to, to compare. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what happened. And uh, eventually, we got better, so they put us on national television. And of course, there's only one channel at the time. So when, when we were on, that's, that's it, nothing else to see. So the whole country was, was stuck watching us when we were on. And so overnight became the number one band. And there's no number two, right? So, so just we dominated the charts, you know, for quite a while. Eventually the other bands got up and stuff. But the communists realized that they made a mistake because when we're this popular, uh, we would fill any hall whenever we do a live concert, a place like this, a place like 2,000, however many that young people jam into these concerts. This is before Silver and this is another, this is a secular rock band in Bulgaria called Silver Bracelets, actually. Somehow we got the connection with Silver. But uh, we became, uh, we became threat to the, to the communists because uh, we became like an idol, you know. And they don't like any other idols. They're just themselves. They're the only one idol they want to be. So they, they practically shut us down in the middle of our, one of our concerts. Um, Pull, unplug, unplug the you know, amplifiers. Says, okay, everybody go home. No more, no more rock and roll. Bad, bad experiment. So that pushed me to escape. I mean, I just said, that's it. I, I'm not gonna. This is. I can't live like this. I need to be free. Freedom was what. Um, now, now I see the Lord because I didn't know the Lord, but He put desire for freedom in my heart. Even though he used this a scenario with the communists, but really a passion for freedom uh, came inside me to the point I just, uh, I just says, I'm going to get out of here. I don't know how to get out of here, but I will. And the reason I say I don't know how is because uh, Europe at the time was divided by a thing called the Iron Curtain. Anybody remember the Berlin Wall? Right? A few of you, the rest of you weren't even born, but there was such a thing. As uh, 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 the reason they call it Iron Curtain because actually barbed wire, um, row of mines, electricity in many places. So basically, is is a curtain of death. This is what it was. 
So many people died in an attempt to escape, either being shot or, or killed by mines or, or the, you know, the, the electricity and so forth. So um, we found, me and guitar player this, got together. We, we met in, in the east side of Berlin, the communist side, and we decided that we can escape. And it was the craziest thing to even think about, more or less plan. And, but now we see how God was on, on it and was helping me escape. Because uh, soon after my escape, we made it to the American Embassy. The American Embassy embraced us with open arms. I can't even tell you what that did to me. Because uh, practically all other uh, foreign embassies in Europe, they rejected us. And we had practically no choice. We wouldn't think about coming to America because America was built in our minds to be the worst place to go. Like there's either cowboys that will kill you or the mafia or one of those because there's <laughs> nothing but cowboys shooting and the mafia shooting. And this is how it goes, you know. And everybody else is like a, like a money machine. Sort of. I mean, the, the, the descriptions for America was... The worst. It, it was enemy number one for Russia. And of course, we are with, under Russia. So. so for us to come to Think America, we didn't even think about it. We wanted to go to any other Western country. And they all shut us down. And so there's no choice. There's nothing else to do but to go to this place that is so, so bad. And so we're approaching the embassy in, in Vienna. I mean, scared to death, but... There's nothing else to do. We cannot stay in Vienna. We have to find a country to go. Vienna was the processing place where you can, like a refugee camp, but you can't stay there. And you have only a few months to, to find a home country. So we, we're coming into the embassy and we're just scared to death. And the soldier, American soldier standing there and says, what do you guys want? And we go, we, 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 need, we need a political asylum. And, and, we, and he says, well, how'd you get here? We says, we escaped. How'd you escape? I, mean, I told him we were smuggled by the Polish black market, and it was just a dangerous, crazy thing. He goes, hold it right here. So he hold, rings the bell and, and, and says, uh, go, and, go and talk to the consulate. Tell him what you just told me. So we go inside the American embassy. Here's the consulate. And he says, so how'd you get here? So we told him the story, how we escaped. And, I mean, risking your life and everything. And when he heard that, he stood up with open arms. Says, Welcome to America, boys. Aww. I'm telling you, I, I, all the fears and everything, and I would just start weeping on the spot. I says, this is the enemy, the worst place, the enemy, and yet they're welcoming us with open arms. I mean, I can't even tell you what that did to me. And, and, uh, and so they helped us process our papers and things like that. And before you know it, we were uh, arriving in New York City. And I remember the, the, the number one hit songs was, Killing me softly with this song. God in my life. And it, it's like, it was a prophetic song about what's going to happen to me. But I didn't know what it was about until I got all the way to Hollywood pursuing our, our rock and roll career, and and when I got to Hollywood, uh, my dreams of what's going to happen uh, collapsed. You know, like 
the, the best studios in the world, right there, Hollywood, and Vine, the major thing, and this boulevard with the stars. Oh, I thought these stars are shining and glistening and glowing and just waiting for me to put a star on me. I mean, I don't know what I was dreaming, but I got there, and those stars were dirty. They were like puke on most of them by the winos rolling there, and the, the heron addicts were shooting in the corners, and prostitutes were walking. And I'm going, this is not worth risking my life. This is not worth dying for. And I'm telling you, my dreams collapsed. I, I, I was like totally disoriented, lost. I don't know, what, what have I done at work? What can I do now? Because this is not worthwhile. This is not, you know, what it turned out to be. And right at this lowest point, the Jesus people, the Jesus people, uh, and in 1972, this is the tail end of the revival of the Jesus people revival, started in the mid 60s and continued through some of the uh, about mid mid 70s. And here I am, 73 actually. Uh, here I am, lost. And they go, Jesus loves you. He really does. He died for you. I'm going, what are you on? <laughs> what, kind of a, what kind of a drug is that? Like making you so silly. Jesus loves you. He really does. He died for you. They go, no, this is not a drug, man. It's Jesus. And I'm going, forget it, you know. And it's like, so they, they, the Lord told him, don't talk to him. He doesn't get it. So just offer him some food. That'll work really good. And so, so they stopped talking and offering me a, a lunch. And if the food was great. Actually, they invited me to their house. And the food was good. And uh, they were also musicians. So they thought, oh, good. We got a musician. We're going to really get him. Of course, their music was not very good, to be honest. I mean, if you're a musician, you know what I'm talking about. So you listen to, you listen to uh, uh, the music. And then you, you notice the guitar is out of tune. I'm going, man, stop and tune this guitar because it's awful, right? He's just playing away. He doesn't even notice. I'm going, dang. Then they had a flute player and the flute, I, I also play flute, and the flute has got three pieces. So before you play, you got to put it together and you got to do it just right because if it's too deep, it'll be sharp. If it's too flat, it's like... It, the gal didn't have an idea how to do it. So she just stuck that thing and just playing. And it was a, almost quarter of a pitch sharp. And I'm just like, ow, stop it. Redo this. Not a care in the world. They're playing. And, and all, all, all their repertoire was the three chords, G, D, and C. That's about it. And, and I'm like... And they, but, but they act like they're the best band in the world. And like, I'm a stadium. And it's like, they're going away. And I'm going, what is wrong with this picture? You know, and when, when it was over, they go, what do you think? I'm going, I'm going, whatever drug are you on, I need it right now. Because I just... Make me happy for no reason, because like you guys, you are, you should be crying. You're pathetic, but I am miserable. What you know? Give me this drug. They go, it's not drug. It's Jesus. 
So good thing the food was great. I mean, it was excellent. And they were good cooks, not a very good musician, but great cooks. And they, and they, and they said, so, so tomorrow, come again, more music, more food. I go, boy, do I have to endure to your music in order to eat some. But uh, I said, forget it. But next, the next day by 6 o'clock, I forgot about music and I started getting hungry because I want to get the food. So uh, this lasted for about two months. And uh, I mean, obviously it wasn't just the food, but it was the love that they put and, and everything in the hospitality and, and the acceptance. And, and, uh, and so uh, I'm going, you know, I'm just eating their food and I don't believe it, anything they're saying. In fact, for a while I go, why are you doing this? Like, this, I, I'm leaving from here. I'm going back to Hollywood. I'm not going to waste my time. But, but uh, what's the motive? And they go, we just love you. We, we love you and Jesus loves you. So finally, I says, okay, I'm leaving tomorrow. I actually set the date and I packed my little bag. I says, I'm leaving tomorrow, but just out of respect of all their cooking, I'm going to give it a one chance if there is a God. And, and so I, I, I went in the side of uh, their house up, up in the little mountain there. This is in Ojai, California, actually. And it's actually, that city is full of occult and <laughs> new age. But anyways, but these guys were in the, uh, fireballs for Jesus. They were all saved. They were, um, they were like former drug addicts and heroin addicts. In fact, the guy that led me to the Lord, uh, he, was, um, he was like a, a, something like five or six hundred dollars a day habit. And he was carrying guns and robbing people because he had to feed his habit. Anyways, so I'm going inside the mountain. And, and uh, I didn't know what to say because <laughs> I'm going, what are you doing? You know there's no God, so how are you going to... Talk to somebody, you know, it doesn't exist. Anyways, I was brainwashed by the communists. There's no God. So I go, okay, well, say something and get it over with. And I don't even know what to say. And a thought came to my mind out of nowhere. And, and the thought was, God, do you exist? I go, okay, that's a, good, that's a good way to prove he doesn't. Just say it and you're going to see that he doesn't. This was my moment because... You know, I knew there's no God, but I wanted to give him a chance for all the good cooking and all, all the love that they put. I mean, faith looks like something. In my case, faith looked like hamburgers and hot dogs cooked for me. It was their faith, not my faith. I had no faith. And if you like, in my case, without faith is impossible. To please God. There's no way to connect with God because he don't even believe he exists. If actually you believe he doesn't. This is how I was programmed. So here I'm feeling really weird and awkward and inside that mountain thinking, what are you doing? But the thought came, okay, so go ahead and say it. That's a good way to prove he doesn't. So I said, God, do you exist? As soon as my breath left, as soon as I say exist, there was this invisible, like a canopy, just came, came over me. I, I couldn't see it, but I could feel it. You know how if you get under a blanket, the 
the acoustic changed, right? I mean, it, it, it changed. Just actually, acoustic changed. And I'm going, what? What's happening? And I could just feel this banner or something uh, over me, like quilt. And I'm going, and the more I talked about, what, what is this? Like, I'm going crazy. What's happening? And the more I talked, the thicker it got, the closer it got. Until at one moment, somehow, I don't know how, but the faith that there's a God shot right through me like a lightning. You know, and I collapsed on the dirt. No catch or anything. Just boom. I collapsed. It began to shake. Talk about Toronto and the shaking. I begin to shake on a mountain in a violent uh, 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 discovery that there is a God. I discovered that there is a God without even knowing how, how it happened. I did not know. In fact, for years later, I give my testimony to these big gatherings. I was part of the Silver and then at the time. And, and at the end of the night, and I'll make an altar call, and people come to Jesus. And then at the end of the night, I would always wonder, but how did I believe? I could never really explain it for the longest time. Because I did not have faith, brothers, sisters. I did not have faith. Without faith, it's impossible. And it, it wasn't until uh, years later that the Lord gave me a revelation on the faith of God. Yes, amen. The faith of God, brothers and sisters, is so huge. That even in a case like mine, when I didn't believe, I wasn't seeking God. I didn't believe there is such a thing. The only God that I, the only false God I knew was the communist, and I'm the next God myself. Rock and roll freak. This was, this was my idea of, of, you know, God, if you can say it, with small letter, of course. But there's no other, there's no God. So how did I believe how did it happen? And years later, the Lord gave me a, a revelation. Because often we think faith is something that, that we do. But faith is, first, first faith is a noun. It's not something, it's not a verb. Faith is something that, it's a something. <laughs> Faith is something. Right there we can stop it. And think about faith. Because if, if we don't get that foundational idea of what faith is, we get off and doing our own thing and, 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 and we end up in bondage. But first and foremost, faith is a thing. In, in, in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Faith is a substance. Think about it. Faith is a substance. Say substance. I mean, just stop right there. It's not something you do. To start with. It's not something you do. But it's a something. <laughs> just a something. Whoa, let me, let me read this. Ephesians. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Turn to Ephesians chapter... You could turn the, the mic a little bit down because it gets... Ooh. And I'll, I'll speak louder. I'll speak like that. Thank you. Give the sound person a huge God bless you. 
Wow. Is that okay? Am I, am, I don't want to disrupt anything you're doing there. Is that okay? Can you still, still hear me okay? Okay, we, we don't have the boom. Okay, um, Ephesians chapter 2. Um, <clears throat> we, we could practically start with 4, although I'm, I'm aiming at, at 8. But let's, let's start with verse 4 to set up the thing. But God's mercy is so abundant, abundant. And His love for us is so great. Mercy and love, brothers and sisters. Mercy and love comes before salvation. It says, verse, verse, it says, verse 5, While we were spiritually dead, maybe you were born in a, a beautiful environment with maybe Christian parents or, or whatever, and you, you, you knew about the Lord, but I was not born in an environment like that. I was born in a hush-hush. Fear has gripped my parents and our society. You cannot say a peep other than what the communists say. And they uh, don't get fooled that they're, they're trying to help the poor people. No, no, no. They hate the poor. They hate everybody except themselves. They don't like anybody except themselves. And also, more than that, bigger problem than that which they don't reveal. But I knew it. I found that out. They hate God. The very God that they tell us that don't exist, they hate Him. How do I know? Who is the author of communism? Do you know? Karl Marx. Exactly. Uh, he he's a, a, a apparently a background. He's Jewish. Uh, mom and dad were somehow uh, born again. I don't know whether both mom and dad were Jewish or mom and dad. I'm not sure, but it's definitely a Jewish background. And they they were either either Luther. I'm not remember what, they, but they had they were in church. And this young man, young child, he was to he went to church with his parents. And the way the record goes, that he was actually a fireball for Jesus. And then something happened. And I don't know what happened. I don't see any record of what happened. That he switched. And from a lover of Jesus, a young teenager, he turned into a God-hater. And, and if you want to understand what's behind communism... Uh, Find uh, uh, nowadays you can Google. You don't have to go to a library. Uh, very few libraries contain his poetry, but there are there are libraries. But today with the Google, you can actually find, Google his poetry, and 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 in his poetry. So behind the I mean before the Communist Manifesto and that that book, but read his poetry and you find the heart of this young man. He says he says to God, I hate you. And I will hurt you by destroying the people you created for your glory. This was in his poetry. I'm quoting. And stuff like that. He was mad and, and angry and, and whatever happened, I'm not sure. But he turned against God. So, so what he did is he took everything that was in the New Testament and took God out. And wrote about this utopia, heaven and earth. Practically, exactly heaven and earth, but no God. Like, uh, unselfish man, the communist man is unselfish, pure motives, works hard, 
don't even need cash. The society didn't, at the time, they would, they would not need cash because people are so conscientious. They're communists. They love people. They love to work. They love humanity. They give themselves work all day. On the way back from work, they pick up a few groceries. Maybe their shirt is worn out, so they pick up a shirt. No need to pay money because you don't make any money because nobody needs money. You don't need to be rewarded to work hard. You work hard because you're communist, because you're this benevolent, pure, unselfish, like a new creation man. You are just amazing, glorious human being, but no God. So he actually uses scriptures all over the place, you know, and, but no God. And, and that's how they, they seduce this whole Eastern Bloc country and stuff, and some here and there. And the only reason they didn't exceed in, in, in places like Africa, because they're prejudiced. They're amazing. Anyways, <laughs> back to the point. Um, I'm thinking, Lord, how did I get this faith? Because, because out of love and, and, and mercy, while I was dead, I was Dead spiritual, dead doesn't mean physically. The, the spiritual death means separation from reality, from God. This is the spiritual death fell like in, in Adam and Eve and they got separated from God. That's the death that he's talking about. And I was born in that death. I was like, I feel like a tomb. Living in a tomb. Uh, especially Sundays was eerie day, like very difficult day to deal with because it was so quiet and eerie. During the week, you just get busy, you don't think about it. But Sunday, just like quiet. And I go, what's going on? And, and now Sunday is my favorite day, especially with friends that I've had here for 20 years. We're celebrating amazing journey, amazing journey, amazing journey of God. So thank you for having me one last time. It's awesome. I mean, God's journey goes on, God's people. So anyways, our particular relationship is this amazing. And so we, by God's grace, we've been saved while we were dead. He brought us to life with Christ. Who brought us to life with Christ? God brought us to life with Christ. I didn't bring myself to God in Christ. I didn't know there is a God or Christ. So, so, but, but somebody knew. Somebody called the Jesus people for me knew about Christ. They knew about God and they knew how much God believes in me. And they began to demonstrate how much God believes in me. Wow. And I'm going, why are you doing this? They wouldn't say nothing other than Jesus loves you. And they kept loving on me. Until it came to a point where I go, okay, this is a charade I'm playing. This I don't believe in anything. And I'm not agreeing with that. And and then God showed up when I finally asked the one final question, God to exist. He showed up. And how did that happen? Because we say by grace, which is what Jesus did on the cross to save us. In a union with Christ Jesus, He raised us up with Him to rule with Him in heavenly world. He did this to demonstrate for all the time to come the extraordinary greatness of His grace. I'm reading from Ephesians chapter 2, today's English version, verse, verse 7. He did to demonstrate for all the time to come the extra and greatness of His grace and the love He showed us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, for it is by God's grace 
that we have been saved through faith. Through faith. But it says here, it's not your own doing. So I saved by His grace, okay? That's His doing, His salvation, His everything, His, his cross, His burial, His resurrection, His suffering, everything God did to, to set up the salvation. But through faith. And at first we, we take on this faith, like, okay, that's, He did the grace, I'm believing. But it says here, it's not your own doing. Well, what are we supposed to do if it's not our own doing? But God's gift... Doing and gift is not the same thing, in case you wonder. <laughs> you ain't doing anything when you, when you get a Christmas gift or birthday gift. You just get it. It's, it's not something you do. It's not like you're trying to open this gift. It's a lot of effort. <laughs> no child is opening Christmas gift in February. Because it's, it's not like that. It's not works. You, you rip that thing up and start playing with it. It's not works, it's, it's a gift. There is nothing here to boast of since it's not the result of your own effort. For God is our maker, and in our union with Christ Jesus, He has created us for a life of good works, which He has already prepared for us to do. Shabarabasata. Oh, yes, there is good works. Yes, there is amazing works. Look at us for all these years. We've worked and labored together in the Lord. And we know each other and we've cheered each other in the journey. One generation comes after another. Sharon and Joel came into this place midway between when we first met. Almost 20 years and, and, and now. And it was through a, a, a gathering that we did here together. You guys hosting us. This band, wasn't that the anointing today? I was in heaven, I tell you. Because the anointing, Darren, Eric, I mean, you guys play and you just like worship. It's just that the Lord is here. And this is our host church. This is the church that we connected for all these events and everything. Pastor Generosity to, 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 to get us to help us. To, to. And then this is where we met Bill Vanderbush. And I had not known from uh, anything, from Adam. And I just gave him a whole afternoon session. By faith, I said, hey, there's a lot on you, man. Go for it. Activate everybody, prophetic, supernatural. And, and these guys were part of it. Boom, right here somewhere. And they were, you know, I mean, I see them without knowing them. But I saw them leaders in Christ. I saw what you're doing in the spirit before you were doing it. I did not know. I thought you're the most powerful prophetic team I've ever seen. And you were. But I didn't know you. But you look like that. So we joined together. And they're, they're here because of that joining. I mean, there's a lot that transpired more than that. But that was the, the beginning. Remember that? I mean, I don't think you met before. But we met up here. So we worked together. These are great works. But we don't start with great works. There's no great works for you to connect. There's nothing you can do to strive and try to connect with Jesus. It took God the Father who saw you. And saw you, not just as you were at the time, but He saw you at the finishing line. He saw you at the finishing line. And it says, and He deposited through others. 
who had the faith of God. It deposited into your spirit and called you into greatness. Called you into this amazing destiny of changing the world. We are still yet to change this city. There's two million people. Nearly half of them declare they're, they're, they're believing. They believe in God. I didn't see too many believing cars on the road this morning, but... I trust the statistic. At least you say half the city. Do you know the traffic would have been today if half the city who says they believe in God would have been to made to church? We would make it still. We'll be still driving. But they, but at least there's in the houses now. But they say that they believe. I'll take that. And I say, Lord, confirm what these guys are saying. At least in statistic, forty nine percent of this. This city, Grand City, is say they believe in God. Many believe in Jesus, but they, anyways. Um, so I say I get it. I says Amen. We're gonna get them here. We're gonna get them on fire. There's a million people in our surroundings here that are, are going to get on fire. I believe that. I believe that because the faith of God is in me, saying believe that, and He's believing. Inside me. He's saying it. It's not me. I'm just crazy enough to say yes. To a huge God who has huge heart of love. And mercy. And forgiveness. And power to raise us from the spiritually dead. Because I am raised from the communist death. It's one thing to uh, get run out of communism. It's nothing for me to get the communists out of me. They were still here around me, even in this free country, until Jesus came. And the Jesus people start cooking those hamburgers for me every day. And they still loving on me. I said, forget the music, okay? They, they, they just stopped playing, because they realized I wasn't wowing the music, but I was wowing the food. Oh, okay, let's feed them, because he wows at the food. He likes something. They kept loving on me, and loving on me, and depositing. And what they were showing is, God believes in you. They were not even saying it. They were showing it. God believes in you, my friend. You think you're going to Hollywood? <laughs> Ain't going nowhere. You're, we have intercepting this demonic lying and thing. You, you were disappointed already. But now we're straightening you out. And we're showing where to go. We go to the school supernatural. And I went to school eventually. I got saved by their faith. Their faith came. Faith is a substance. And faith comes. When you don't have it, no problem. As long as somebody has it and they likes you. That's about it. As long as somebody ha- who has it, what happened to like you? They like me. And they loved me. And by loving on me, they actually the substance of faith was coming through hamburger buns and hamburgers. You know how Apostle Paul was laying hands on napkins and things like that? They were touching his skin. And they were taken to faraway places. Book of Acts 19, chapter 19, remember that? Extraordinary miracles happened through napkins. Through, through, through uh, this, something touching the skin of the Apostle was taken to faraway places. And something, substance, on napkins, on cloth, were laid on the sick. And whatever it was on that substance. By the way, the same word substance. The faith is a substance. Is a thing. Is a substance. Is the same word describes Jesus Christ. In, in Hebrew 1 verse 3. It says he is the, 
the exactly replica image of the, the, the invisible God. And that's the word substance. Jesus Christ is the substance of God. Here on earth, actually physical substance permeating his body, but it was the spirit of God. But that spirit substantiates when you believe it. When you receive it, all of a sudden that substance begins to heal people in the faraway places. Even demons go, ah, freak out from the substance. It's so powerful. You carry the substance of the living God inside you by the whole, you entertain the Holy Spirit. So I just finished with that. I just want to release that fresh, this fresh connection. Come on, Pastor, both of you, would you, would you please honor me? Because this is my, my, I guess, last prayer in, in this setting that we've been for 20 years. And it's just, it's a friendship. There's a friendship. Thank you for the offering and the giving. Yes. We have 600 kids now rescued from darkness, from some uh, from sex slavery, trafficking. In fact, we're going to do a, an event here in the city within a year or so that will, that will uh, declare end of child trafficking. Uh, so you, I'm going to invite all of you to help me spread the word and to be part of that and, and serve the city that we finish, that we eliminate the trafficking. Because there are children right now in the bad hands. Been abused all night. That has to end. That, it's no longer Asian kids. That's what it used to be. When I got involved in trafficking, it was Asian kids, Filipinos, uh, Burmese kids, child soldiers, sex kids from Cambodia, sex slavery, and so forth. It's no longer the foreign kids. It's now American kids. For, in case you don't know, there's, there's actually quite an amazing ministry of anti-trafficking here in the city. And we're going to link with them. There's a 480,000 abducted American kids last year. And the number is not going down because the addiction is growing. The sexual addiction, they say, just is worse than heroin addiction. And it's horrible. But guess what? We can end it. So I, 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 I'm standing together with father and mother here in the house. And why don't we all stand together and just grab a hold of a, of a friend or, or, or partner or believer. And just let's stand together in, in, in my shout of victory for the Lord. I, I'm declaring that in our lifetime before us, the, the 1948, the baby boomers, before we go home. Physically, we're going to see the end of child trafficking. Can, can you agree with me? Let's agree. Because that's, that's all God wants first to say amen. Say yes and amen. Yes and amen. Not under our watch. No children. Uh, be it foreign kids or being our own American kids. No children will be in a, in a bad hands. We're exposing the plot of the enemy. In, in fact, I'm just praying uh, for ending of that addiction. Because as long as there's a demand, the, the, the market demand, that there will be market, there will be provision. But we, we're starting with the beginning of just ending the, the addiction, sexual addictions. We put you under our feet. Demonic addiction, citywide, we put you under, not in this city. Not in greater Austin, Texas. In fact, not in Texas in the mighty name of Jesus. So we stand boldly in crazy faith. In crazy faith. Yes, I, I thank you for calling me crazy faith. But cover me yeah. in my craziness. Because together, 
I'm the bold one, but you're the, 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 the substance, the friends, the partners, the, the community. And I'm just, a, I'm just like an evangelist mouthpiece, but the Lord is saying, believe me, sons and daughters, together we can end. Just believe me, and we're going to do it together. We're going to end trafficking in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody shout amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. Reach out your hands to George and uh, Lord, we bless him. We just pray that the, the burden of his heart, the things that you created, Lord, in his spirit to reach out to these hurting ones, these young people. I pray, God, that the anointing of the Lord, like a trumpet, would raise up in his voice. And that, Lord, you would, you would create, Lord, this beacon of light not only here in the United States, but throughout the world. Lord, there'd be a beacon of, of crying out, let my people go. Let my children be free. So we bless you, George, and we bless you. We anoint you with a double portion this coming year, a double portion of favor, of blessing. That which seemed to be a struggle in the past shall now be like a clear way that the Lord provides. The hills will come down and the valleys shall be lifted up. And the Lord shall raise you up as a as a triumphant soul, a, a voice of the Lord that will declare over all the nations, over all the peoples. We bless you. May the Lord bless you, increase you, strengthen you. May his face shine upon you. May you be filled with his bounty and of his glory. In Jesus' name, amen.